If you having warband problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a fish ain't one. Got Aquaman looking scrawny, man. Got an episode for all you fish and crab stands. Noobs trying to say you can't win with soul. I'm from Shadespire, bitch. What type of facts are those? If you roll bone back when you were in the mirror city, you'd be hanging on my words, but you can't. What a bitch. I'm like screw critics, you can kiss my whole asshole. If you don't like my podcast, you can press fast forward. Got beef with those that don't listen, yo. They don't take my advice, well, I don't give a shit. So, tournament players saying, yo, I'll listen later. Well, listen, sore losers make for sore player haters. Everyone talks to how they want to win glass, but don't listen to the wisdom Max and Randall has. Noob to goat, y'all, I ain't dumb. I got 99 problems, but a fish ain't one. Hit me. 99 problems, but a fish ain't one. If you're having warband problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a fish ain't one. At the clash table, matching up round one. Across from the table is this loudmouth bum. Got two choices, y'all be nice and save some face. Or run up the score and put my man in his place. Cocky Brick thinks his warband's slick. Flapping his lips about how my elves ain't legit. Look him dead in the eye and he stares back hard. He says, Sir, do you know why I'm playing this card? Cause you got no glory in your face. Do I look like a mind reader, sir? Ain't screwed. Are you gonna activate? Cause I think I can manage. Well, I got seven dice and like 500 damage. This attack's gonna land on your leader like I planted too bad. You didn't consider the power of my planet. I ain't afraid of y'all and all my cards are legit. I played Cloud of Midnight so you can't attack my shit. Furion's on guard and out of your range. Spinefit's on your back and the crab is the same. Well, aren't you sharp as attack? You some kind of gamer or something? Somebody important or something? When you miss, I'm gonna But a fish ain't one. Hit me! 99 problems, but a fish ain't one. If you're having more than problems, I'm the bad news, son. I got 99 problems, but a fish ain't one. Hit me! 99 problems, but a fish ain't one. If you're having more than problems, I'm the bad news, son. I got 99 problems, but a fish ain't one. gonna have to be a raider not a raider in the sense of being from vegas but when i start to take them out i'm being so efficacious my match thinks it's tough match will complain pray for him he doesn't think his deck is to blame you know the type loud as a motorbike but wouldn't roll a crit in a dice fight in the cut yo this ain't no time for slacking in my soul raids giving everybody a smacking model coming close and he trying to smack put a fish up his ass and make his ass take a nap on the floor spilling blood again don't care where the blood flows don't care for them i got all the other factions fear and death half a mil on glory cause i'm eye death got crushers wondering who that crushing them dread pageant dreading when i'm stalking them ain't no one can touch me on my phantasmal form i got 99 problems being a fish ain't one hit me 99 problems but a fish ain't one if you're having more man problems i feel bad for you son i got 99 problems but a fish Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 41 
of the Battle for Salvation Warhammer Underworlds podcast. I am Max Bernstein. I'm Randall. And uh, we have a live one for you today. We have Zach Newcomb uh, helping us out to talk about the Soul Raid. Zach, how are you doing? Doing all right. Bit tired from the tournament earlier. but Yeah, man, we're good. We're going to talk about that because we want to hear you, – you, you're going to need to regale us of your your exploits. And you played yesterday too, right? Yep. Jesus. All right. Well, um, let's just quickly talk about tournaments and then we'll we'll, we'll dive into it with you. The, the portal in Manchester, Connecticut is having another tournament. It looks like it's going to be every other month. So this next one is going to be on November 20th at uh, 10 a.m., and that's with uh, your best friend there, uh, Chris Spark, right, Zach? It is. Uh, we you guys, Distant Dragons yeah. together. So uh, I'll be up there uh, again, because um, I went to the last one. I'll talk about it in a minute. We also still have the Du Bois GT, which is November 12th and 13th in Henrietta, New York. Again, if you're interested in going to that one, that's uh, www.daboyzgt.com. Uh, you can go and sign up there. LVO is still on, as far as I know, January 28th through 30th, 2022. And, of course, if you're into 40K, we're just going to mention it because it is the Battle for Salvation 40K GT, which will be taking place on October 9th in the Palisade Center Mall. All right. As it always has. That's that's its typical location. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've done that. Zach, we, we we finally have made it to the to the last major... Uh, podcast episode of season four just in the nick of time so let's get into it but of course this is your first time on the show we're happy to have you but when we have somebody coming on for the first time we we like to get their biography see where they're coming from what their background is so get us started zach why did you get into the game of underworlds so i got into the game uh uh, the leader of our board game group introduced it to me, and I absolutely loved it, and uh, then proceeded to buy everything for it, as one does, and I really love the deck building and the competitive aspect of the game. It's just great. And that was in Season 1? That was in Season 1, right after the Far Striders were released. Oh, okay. And then does that person who introduced you to the game still play, or...? Unfortunately, he does not. I've been trying to get him back into it, though. Okay. That's like me with uh, Randall and Rob. Rob doesn't really play anymore, but he's the, Randall and Rob are the guys who got me into it around the same time, too. And so you play down in Atlanta, right? Yep. Uh, I'm from the Atlanta, Georgia scene. Our primary location that we play at is Gigabytes Cafe. Uh, the there's a couple other stores, but uh, that's the primary one. Do, do you want to shout out perhaps another store that maybe you and I will play at sometime soon? Yes, uh, Level Up Games is another one that's in Duluth, Georgia, that uh, has ample space to uh, play at, and we've met up there a couple times thus far. All right, good. Another great store. Preferably on a weekend? Yep, preferably on okay. a weekend. All right, all right, so we'll see. Favorite Underworlds faction to play all time? Why are we asking? It is the Fire Slayers. Absolutely. Chosen Axes <laughs> is my favorite one. Uh, I also really like Thunderix, and my third favorite now is Soul Raid. So, ah, see that? Yeah. So we made you get in on that, and it's just so good. Elves I've, and dwarves. It's I've like really enjoying playing them, so. So I bet your favorite part of Lord of the Rings is like when Legolas and like Gimli are talking to each other. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's... Okay. There we go. All right. Yeah, Gimli won. You uh, gotta stop Zach... the count. Stop the count. Gimli wins. Absolutely. Oh yeah, that's right. That that, that all counted as one. Yeah. Now, Zach, uh, flex a little bit how much glass you have and what factions have you won them with. So I have won one with Chosen Axes. I believe I have three pieces of glass for Thundrix, and I've gotten second place more times than I can count with uh, various other warbands, uh, but I currently I believe I only have four. All right, all right. That happens. We've all been there. I, I did a second placer this past weekend. Uh, and and uh, and now, have you ever played in, in a Grand Clash at all? I've not played any in any official Grand Clashes. Uh, we did a, it was a skirmish tournament that was following a Alliance Grand Clash. I got seventh place in that one. And that was with Chosen Axes. Uh, and uh, I've also placed uh, third, fifth, and fourth in the facile uh clashes so. which which is nothing to sneeze at by the way that is very tough i've I've never made the cut in those it's very tough those guys yeah. know what they're doing oh yeah oh yeah and and they're from all over the world so you're not getting like you know like local guys some you know play other games like you're getting basically like a concentrated dose of underworld's greatness every time oh, yes. you play one of those very things much so. definitely Fire Slayers all the way for the win. Okay, transition. Next section. Let's talk Season 5 for a minute. Because that's what's up. So when Randall and and Zach and, and I had talked originally about doing this episode, we we were talking about what do we want to see? Like, what are we hoping to see? And then between when we had the conversation and now when we're recording they spoiled some of it for us so we know the name it's going to be called harrow deep which is kind of better than dire chasm and better than beast grave i think I, I think it's a good one i i love the uh like just kind of the look of it just like the dark yeah. blue kind of like everybody's been saying that like people yeah, i've showed it cool. to have Gorgeous. said like i i like people i've showed it to who aren't necessarily like super into the game as much as i am we're saying like oh i love the way the boards look i love the mm -hmm. underwater theme yeah my painted Beautiful. soul raid are gonna look epic oh um, my god they're gonna be so good the blue the blue boards yep, yep definitely uh shout out to steven franz by the way because his soul raid i i've seen pictures of it he's posted them on the on the facebook messaging boards and everything like that um he has this amazing kind of like like you know that thing that water like when when light goes through water and kind of like the the ripples of the waves on the bottom of the ocean like he added that into the bases yeah they're really cool looking I showed me um, pictures of it it looks really good yeah they're really cool um anyway yeah but yeah i just i just think that the the whole look of it the whole aesthetic is is definitely a step up um we also see that the the first two warbands. What, what are those? I, I know it's Stormcast and Orcs, but like specifically, what are they? I'm not totally sure. Yeah, they're just the new version of the Stormcast that they've come out with for the new uh, season of, or not season, the new edition of um, Age of Sigmar. Okay, so they're just like there's kind a of new doub doubling down on that. Yeah, right. there's a new uh, edition of Age of Sigmar that 
that uh, came out recently. Dominion or something like Minion? that. Minion. Yeah, and yeah. Um, they have released new. You know, it's it's kind of like what they do with Space Marines, right? Every time there's a new version of 40k that comes out, they come out with new Space Marines that look different, and then they come up with some, you know, new lore for them. And these Stormcasts look a little different than, I guess, the previous versions. They're like a little bit skinnier, and they have like narrower helmets. I think they look better. Yeah, they look they look opinion. all right. Yeah, and they they have like a they look like more agile. Like they don't look like robots. You know, they they look like right. they can actually move around and and they a have a lot less of like Robocop and a little bit more Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have more like animal friends. Sure. They have like chariots and they friends. have griffhounds and all that. Birds. And they're yeah, and they're also um, sort of taking the orcs in a new direction. The like cruel the, boys, right? Yeah, well, the, you know, in, in the previous versions of Age of Sigmar, they had the Iron Jaws, which are, like, gigantic orcs. And then now they're coming out with more of, like, the traditional, like, greenskin-type orcs that are... They're giving them all kinds of new... A lot of this stuff is, looks really cool. Like, they have this guy riding on top of a, a, a troll. A lot, of, a lot of weird stuff for the I new orcs. The, uh, they have a guy riding on... They have an orc riding on top of, like, a vulture... That's cool. I mean, the, the the guy that they showed has like a knife for a hand. That's kind of cool. Old, ahead, old knife hand. Uh, the underworld's uh, leader for the cruel boys. Uh, he looks like he almost might have a fish face. Oh, like a little. If you look really close. I don't. Is he wearing it. like a cage on his head, like a helmet? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of them that, that have that. Like this guy, the Swamp Boss. Swamp Boss Scumdrek is an orc that's riding on top of some lizard, giant lizard thing, and he has a cage helmet. Can we talk about this change to the backs of the cards? Yeah, that's kind of weird. What are they doing? So this this was like a, a big thing in, in Magic, right? You know, in 1993, they had the original game of Magic, and then they were going to go into Ice Age. Do you remember Ice Age? I kind of do. That was the that mm. was the next expansion after they did, uh, you know, Alpha Beta and then Arabian Nights, the right. Dark Antiquities and stuff right. like that. Then they did Ice Age, and yeah. they were thinking about changing the card backs for that because it was supposed to be like a new, like a different game almost. Um, but then they ended up not doing that, and then right. I think that really contributed to like the continuation of the game and like the different, like the the formats that that arose from that like they didn't have to split like the old cards with the post ice age it wasn't like it was all one continuous game and i think that really helped out you know for the longevity of the game um this is a little oh, bit of a different case but i and and you know it's 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 definitely strange but it's not like a like a cataclysmic thing because you just play with sleeves that's it's 2021 you play card games with sleeves on the cards or you get out. Yeah, I, I know personally I have all of my cards sleeved in clear sleeves so that I don't have to uh, re-sleeve them. That's the heresy. Oh, I okay. might be a heretic. Yeah, you might be. We're going to have to investigate so, that. So my issue is that I don't like the idea that players who've been playing for a long time are now kind of forced to do that. Like I feel like a lot of tournament players do it anyway, but it's a little bit of a conceit for GW to be like, now you got to buy yeah. sleeves, which by the way, they don't even make anymore. You, you like, should be. Make... Oh, go ahead. 
you know, but I'm just saying like they don't make, you know, faction specific sleeves like they used to. Oh, they don't. So like you're kind of forced to go to a th- nope. nah, I don't think so. Like I they, they 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 force you to go to like a third party. And um and it's and that's fine. Like personally I don't mind like myself, but I can see people being like why should I have to go outside of the game to play the game? You know? So from that point of view, I don't like it. Now, the good thing is that we have rotation, so it's only going to be a problem during Season 5, because after that, everything's going to have that back. But what about the Essentials pack? That yeah. has the old design. So the other possibility might be that these uh, this picture that they've shared with us and the cards that they sent out are a Gen Con test copy. True, true. And the mm-hmm. real cards might actually have the correct Normal packs. I gotcha. And and there was also an idea floated that since they're doing like these other formats in the box, like an alliance format. That is and, true. Like, I've, I have heard of that. Something else. Like like it might be it might be the cards that are specific to those play styles, which it also might be. But then I've also heard other people who who should know, saying that that's like the new card back. So I I, I don't know. Well, um, but. It's kind of annoying that they do that, but it's really only going to be annoying if you are, bit. you know, for for one season and only if you don't have, you know, you know, a card sleeve budget. I would say if you if you are playing this game competitively in like a tournament in person, you should be playing with opaque sleeves. And yeah. the reason for that is colored. Yeah, yeah, colored opaque sleeves, and the reason for that is uh, if you if you don't, there are questions that can come up if you've marked the cards or yeah, you know, and then especially if they're if they have different backs, like yeah, the, the, like there, there's That's even if you're not cheating, there's if you're using colored opaque sleeves, there's nobody that can accuse you of marking a card or shuffling weird or something like that. You should you should be playing with those. And and you should have different colors for the different decks. Like the your your objective deck should have a different color back than your power deck. Because I, I there was somebody at the portal tournament who was like had the same colors for both, which is like fine if you're like doing it on the up and up, which I'm I'm sure he was. But um, I can see like especially in like a larger tournament, if, like if you did that, like people would definitely be raising eyebrows at that. So yeah, um, I would get confused if I did that and pulled the wrong yeah. card. Exactly, because then it get to a point where you have like you know, f- you drew like you drew up like five objectives. Yep. Yep. I, so I did read something that there is like you were saying before there is like an another there's a, there's a separate like format within the Harrow Deep box, right? Did yeah, you guys hear anything there about was that? Like be some sort of like alliance or something like that. Yeah. I, I, I didn't read very carefully actually. Yeah, I think it was that, the exactly, Alliance you know, better format. Than I, yeah. uh, I believe the Alliance format, they're going to release cards that can only be used per Grand Alliance. So, Destruction, Order, so on and so forth. Um, so, that's what I heard, at least. Oh, that's really interesting, actually. I thought that wow. was a kind of cool idea. Yeah, that. so do you, do you, did you understand that, Max? Sure. So, so, like, for example, you have all the all the generic cards but they have like they might have like a little like icon on them and they could say like you can use this if you're playing with uh destruction which would be like orcs would be like orcs orcs, goblins right yeah yeah yeah. so if you're playing malag or um 
gets whatever you could use this one but if you're playing if you're playing uh skaven then you can't play this one right something like that is there that's really interesting either chaos yeah skaven or chaos yeah so so that's interesting because that would be very very tech that would give a lot of like um a lot of flavor to the game um especially in that particular you know the particular play style and it could make the generic cards i I, I personally have had terrible uh experience like trying to get into other play styles of this game i feel as though just championship and vanguard are like the only two that i'm i'm dealing with so i don't know a vanguard plus tournament uh here recently at gigabytes and uh, that went over really well because uh we got a whole bunch of new players in uh to get interested in the game and i was able to play chosen axes uh with the vanguard cards and everyone had a really good time did you say Vanguard yeah. Plus? Vanguard Plus. Now, what does so, that, what that, does that mean exactly? The universals have to be the current season, but the factions don't have to be? Correct. And I believe that was started by the uh, Agents of Sigmar League. They did a Vanguard Plus for their league at some point, and Not bad. we decided I mean, to try it. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 again, I was really impressed with Vanguard this season and like how well they've been balancing the warbands from this from season four that I, I feel as though that's actually a really viable play style. So I, I, I really hope that season five kind of has the same thing going on for it. The war bands so all too. kind of make sense together. Nobody's too overpowered. Nobody's too underpowered. And that, uh, and, and that, that becomes like a way, because again, I, I think the best way to get people into the game is to make it so that the, the barrier to entry is not that bad. And if they only yep. have to buy stuff from this particular uh, you know, season. I think that's the way to right, go. Right, right. And in the uh, article what else here, do you guys want to? Hold on. So in the article here, it says in the upcoming season, it introduces a new play style that lets you join the fun straight out of the box. The new rivals format makes Warhammer Underworlds yes, more accessible than ever by using pre-made decks, and you'll be able to pick up a warband and jump straight in, safe in the knowledge that your deck is just as good as your opponent's. Ha. <laughs> There's no, there's well, no way that'll be balanced, but um, right. You know, well, maybe that's what those cardbacks are. Yeah. Maybe yeah, it's that, that particular well play style, so that that you know that it goes in the de- in that particular deck. That is true. I, I hope so. I, I hope it's. I hope that is not the cardback. Yeah. Like a new cardback. I hope that that's a way to differentiate it from the other cards. Like that's what I hope we get. We um, all know the internet and the tenfold hat. Uh, oh man! I have mine on right now. I made it this morning. Is it made out of tin foil? Or oh, it sure foil? is. Is it aluminum foil? Yeah. Those don't work as well. No, they don't. No. Oh, I gotta get them. I gotta get. No, a new no. how are you gonna keep the radiation out with aluminum? What uh, are you talking well, about? Well, no. you need tin. Okay. All right. Anyway, let's move on. Um. So so moving forward, we've seen a little bit of flavor of of season five. We saw that the oh the, the the new fighter card format that we saw in the 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 starter set that had the the wraith creepers and the storm of celestis in it that is going to be what they look like now mm-hmm. which is really fine because like i actually for those yeah i i kind of liked it all right so so what do we want to what are we hoping we see going forwards in season five more dwarves obviously of course we need some more dwarves. I, I would not be surprised if we got more Skaven, too. Um, that's been long overdue. I feel they are overdue. Yeah, like, we got we got new skeletons recently. But there are, like, four Orc Warbands and, like, yep. five Storm Cast. 
And there's a lot of variety. There's a lot worse. There's a lot of variety within the Skaven. Like they have different, uh, like, I don't know how you, different like sub factions within Skaven that are all really cool. Like you could have ones with like big mutated Skaven beasts or ones that like shoot like lightning and like plague bombs and stuff like that. There, there's a lot of untapped potential in, uh, different Skaven warbands that they could put out. I'd also like to see Cities of Sigmar as well. Cities that of Sigmar. We've been saying this for a long time, Max and I, that yep. we want to see cities that we just want regular but humans. Don't wrote me into this. No, you said what, no, 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 no. You, you, you said it. You said it. I said it, and you so agreed. You're These are fine. I don't. I don't remember. We want, read, read, read me back the tape. We want um, regular humans so, with feathered caps and pantaloons. Oh, the pantaloon guys. No, I do remember that. Sure. I mean, they, they they love that down in Georgia. Just some some dude with uh, with pantaloons and a giant gun. Yeah, guns. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Um, all right. So, what else? What about what do we? So, so those are some factions we hope show up. What about the game itself? What are we looking for there? I think more regular FAQs. Like we still don't know the uh, proper order of uh, when primacy happens and. Yeah certain certain reactions around primacy and uh, there's a couple other uh fighter specific interactions that are a bit confusing at the moment uh so just a more regular faq would be great yeah absolutely um for me uh, there are two things i kind of want to see i want to see that they don't add too many new game mechanics because I think that uh, you put a lot of spice in the broth and it just gets overspiced and it's just like too much. Like a little bit, obviously, we want to see the game evolve. We want to see it, you know, move a little forward, of course, but but not too much. I think primacy on it was, was such a big difference to the game, but I think it was a good addition. But they didn't really do very much else other than that and like hunger and like the hunger mechanic was just like stupid unless you played vampires. Um, so, uh, so I think like if they could just pick one, like yeah. when, remember, remember in Night Vault where they just added magic and that was it. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. The... And, and lethals, they added lethals too, but, but it was really just magic and that was it. And that was fine. Just, just one. Yep. All good. And it looks like they might've added some sort of a uh, new hex type because on the yeah, boards, there's like dotted line hex. So... Yeah. What is that? Okay, yeah. I'm not sure what that now? could be. Is that like a is does it like alter how many dice you use? Shadow magic. Oh, Jesus. I don't know. What, that, do, what does shadow magic do in like in is that what's called? Did is that what they called it? I think so. Because usually what they do in the, the in this game is like similar to what happens in Age of Sigmar with it. So like like what does shadow magic do in Age of Sigmar? I, I have no, no idea. idea. I'm making it up. <laughs> I I don't know. I uh, um, just being curious about the area of Olgu. Uh, I went and read a wiki article, and it mentioned a whole bunch of uh, like shadow and swamp and things like that. And one of the big things was shadow magic uh, in the article. So, okay, I have no idea. You guys yeah. have to fill in the gaps for me. Um, one other thing I really hope they do because I really missed it is, um, is new tournament support boxes. 
like True. the dump box, the, like you know, like the, the the store event boxes. We love those. We've been making our own. Yeah, I don't think we should have to do that. Yeah, yeah. we kind of do that too. We or like we'll show up to a tournament and just bring the old boxes and right and just give everybody that doesn't have like the old all, you know versions yeah, like of all, great like strength alt or whatever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I was gifted it, uh, my. Uh, my local actual GW store uh, uh, really early in the pandemic I came to pick up something and he's like I'm not going to be able to use this here have this whole tournament box so I was nice. gifted a whole tournament box and uh, I've been taking the, uh, the uh, acrylic tokens and every time I play somebody that doesn't have the acrylic tokens and they beat me they get to pick out of the prize box oh really? Yep. Oh, I would just give it to him anyway. I've been trying to get rid of all my alt art cards from season three for like months. Just anytime I see a new player, I'm just like, do you do you have, do you have the uh, the Rippers and the Grimwatch alternative art? They're like, I don't even have those packs. I don't care. Take these off my hands. Get get out of here. <laughs> here's here's a alt art temporary victory. Enjoy. Um. All right. So we got that, and let's see, Randall. Anything you're hoping we see in season five? Well, we have forward? this. We have this written down, but I, we then talked about it, and maybe it doesn't make sense. But what, I would like to see some. I, I would possibly, if it's not too uh, overpowered, is maybe see some sort of like hand disruption. Um. You know, where you get to look at your opponent's hand and maybe make them discard a card. Because the only things that discard in this game so far are, um, like like you, I believe there was a, a an upgrade in season two where you could just look at your opponent's hand, but that's all it did. It was it was one of the tomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah one of the yes, correct, one of the one of the uh, tomes, and then every other card that makes your opponent discard, they get to choose the card. Mm-hmm. But then we were talking about it, and we said, you know, because there's only twenty cards in your deck and only five cards in your hand at a time, maybe that would be. That would be very too strong. strong. Yeah. Yeah, so, there would have to be a lot of drawback to it. Yeah, and it might not be needed unless there are like these insane combos in the deck, like the uh, Cataphrane relics. Remember those from season one? Yeah. Once so, we get to might the not need that. Uh, once we get to the term- tournament talk, I have something to say about those. Okay. But oh, about the the hand disruption cards that you were using? Were you using them? No, the set cards. Uh, I had an a very good opponent that was using the uh, scattered tomes. Oh, you today. mean just like the sets of the different relics, like the silent relics or the... Wait, like the lost pages? Are you talking about the lost pages? No, the scattered tome. Uh, yeah, it's the, I believe they are the lost pages to the scattered tome. Right, yeah, yeah. I was using that with, uh, with the Reapers. Yep. All right, we'll talk about that. All right, well, well okay, so so... Lots of good stuff to look forward to. It looks like it's going to be released in the next few few weeks, doesn't it? Like it looks like it's imminent. So, uh, so l- let's so. get to the yeah. I know, me too. So let's get to the last faction of of the Dire Chasm season. Let's talk about Soul Raid. All right, um, we're going to start with the fighter cards as we always do. Let's get started. And Zach, you've been playing these guys. Maybe maybe not exclusively, but certainly a lot. Uh, tell us your thoughts on these guys as we go. Okay, so let's start with the leader. His name is Elethane, ill-fated. He has the two keywords, Ideneth and Hunter. 
he's got a Talon Sickle for one range, three smash, two damage, which has something on it called Soul Harvest, uh, and also a Soul Net, also has Soul Harvest. That is a three range, two fury, one damage. And it says for Soul Harvest reaction, after this attack action, if it takes an enemy fighter out of action and there's no friendly Tamiel, Tamiel, that's the other guy, on the yep. battlefield, place a friendly Tamiel, Tamil, Tamil. Tamiel. Tamiel? Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, like, if you say Michael, you don't say Mikeyel. Tamil. True, but he's an L. So. All right. Anyway, uh, you get to put a friendly Tamil on a starting hex. So, so basically, if you kill another guy, you steal his soul and raise your guy back if if he's if he's dead at the time. That's pretty cool. And uh, he's got a four one four bottom slash line on shields. All right. So, uh, what what are we looking at here, Zach? So far. So, Elethane is your your linchpin of the warband. He's your leader. He is the most durable of of your fighters because he has the four wounds, and mm -hmm. more importantly, he can bring Tamiel back. Um, right. And he genuinely gets very frightening when he's inspired because he has cleave and ensnare on a three hammer attack. Oh yeah, let's talk about that cleave and ensnare on that talent sickle in the uh, in the second round because that's when all these guys are inspired. The soul net gains a die, and then he goes up to five one four. We also have not talked about the flood tide mechanic, which he has only in rounds one and three when he's uninspired. And flood tide, we have to go to Furion's card. Yep. It says flood tide. When activated, this fighter can make a move action or a charge action, even if they have one or fewer move actions. So you can move, and then on your next one you can charge after that or move a second time, which is very uh, Molog-esque. The, uh, the Flood Tide uh, ability is very, very important for this warband because it enables you to get your fighters down the board, and mm -hmm. it also gives you the ability to chase down your opponent. It is very, very hard to run away from this warband. Early game and end game. Yep. Because they have it, and in in the first and third round, they they have it because they're uninspired. So that's really great, and they are are at four distance when they're uninspired, which means that if they move four and then they can move four again, they actually have it's it's, it's a little bit more protracted, but they have a, a threat range of nine. Yep. Technically. Right, just and, over two activations. And the guys that have the ranged attacks, uh, they have even more range. On yeah, them. it's going to be like a 11 or 12 or something like that. Yeah, 11, I guess it would be, because it would be 4 plus 4 plus 3, right? Yeah. Yep. All right, Furion, like the, you know, the second banana, the, uh, the, the, the lieutenant over here, also an Ideneth, also a hunter, has something called the Hellsaber, which is a one range, three fury, two damage attack, has flood tide, a four, two, three bottom slash line on dodges. And when she is inspired in the second round, her attack, oh, she gains a move and her attack goes to three hammers. 
and of she course switches it becomes, to shields and switches to shields oh look at that okay yes and then um and then of course has the ebb tide thing where she goes back and is no longer inspired in the third round and what do you want to say about furion what's her what's her deal so furion is uh usually the first target that everybody goes after so because she can't be uh resurrected like tamiel can and she's usually pretty consistent for a middle of the first round charge of doing two damage when you're playing the uh, four wound fighter warbands uh usually you can take at least one of them out with a charge as long as uh furin or tamale hits their attack and then elephant can come up and finish them off so she's she's a very important piece to the warband just for being able to like get into enemy territory and do some damage before she goes down. She almost always goes down. Sure. Okay, so just try to get as much mileage out of her as you can before the yep. inevitable. All right, now we have uh, Tamil. That's what I'm going to call him, Tamil. Yep. and Hunter as well has the Riptide Harpoon, which is a two range, two smash, two damage. And then also has the Throne Harpoon, which is a three range, three fury, one damage. So a lot of harpooning going on. Has two keywords, one called Riptide and another one called Impact. So the Riptide Harpoon, when you're just poking, has Riptide. But when you're throwing it, it has Riptide and Impact. Let's talk about what those are. Also has Flood Tide, by the way. A 413 bottom slash line on dodges. Uh, let's talk about riptide and impact and we'll see what what he's got when he's inspired riptide in the drive back step push the target one hex instead of driving back so it's very similar to uh what's his name from the dread pageant the sexy arrow guy I yeah the sexy I arrow his name, guy but uh his name too. it's not Lissette, so what do i care yep exactly right hanzu okay hanzu? but that hanzu? Guy. Hanzu. 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 there we go so so instead of pushing back, you can push in any direction. So it's not a drive back, it's a push. So the, right. the that actually changes some of the mechanics surrounding it. And impact when you throw the harpoon. Now here's the interesting thing. It says impact when you throw the harpoon, plus one damage when made during a fighter's this fighter's charge action. But as usually happens when you throw a harpoon or a javelin, it disappears. You only get to do it once. But his character has like a big rope on it, right? So well, it doesn't say that's anything. That's how he pulls people. That's how he pulls, yes, exactly. And that's also why the harpoon doesn't disappear like it does for Skaith or Jagathra. Jagathra so, and Skaith need to take notes here. Exactly. Right. Like, just put a, like, it's so easy. Just put a rope yeah, on it. Yeah, you just put a rope on your harpoon and then you can use Come it on. multiple times through the game. Easy. 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 Tamil can even not die, tech. come back, and still get his harpoon back. Come on, guys. Uh, during the second round, his attack profile is exactly the same. Uh, he does gain ensnare, which is very. Oh, important. he gains ensnare on the on the pokey one on the on the two range uh, one. on both of them. And oh, oh, word. Yes, on both. Okay, and yes, so he gains ensnare on all of his attacks, and then also goes up to a. A five two three bottom slash line still on dodges. Yeah. So what are you doing with Tamiel? So Tamiel is usually the guy that you throw at your opponent first. 
he's not a very good target because if he dies, he just comes back and it's a pain right. in the butt for your opponent. He also has some of the most consistent damage production of the non-leader fighters and also the range. So you can throw the harpoon, take out a two-wound guy or put two wounds on a, a large fighter and set him up for a, for a kill. And that riptide function is super important for throwing people into the lethals, knocking people off of objectives, because yep. uh, the way that uh, RTOs have been ruling here recently is because it is a push and it is during a drive-back step instead of a drive-back, if that fighter is on guard and you hit them with the harpoon, you can still push them. You can move them, yeah, because it's not a drive-back. Yep. Yep. So I, I would actually agree with that, that because that's what guard says, right? You can't drive them back. Right. Yeah, you can still push right, them. Right, so it's not, yeah, you can still push them. So right. he's. If you he's could a... do it with distraction, you could do it with this. Yep. But the the issue yeah. is that this the, it says in the drive back step, on the card it says Riptide in the so, drive back step push the target one hex. Instead right. Of, so the timing of it is still of the same as where the drive back would be, but right. it is considered a push rather than okay. uh, than than a drive back. Yes. Okay. Sounds good. All right. You guys ready for this motherfucking crab? Absolutely. Dune Claw. The crabbiest crab of all crabs, the Decapod Supreme. We have a he has a crushing claw attack, one range, two fury, which makes a lot of sense, but two damage because he's a giant ass crab. He's like twenty thousand leagues under the sea. This guy has a three two three on shields, bottom slash line because of that exoskeleton word. And then has a couple of things over here. So one is called Beast. This fighter cannot be given attack action upgrades, cannot hold objectives, because he is just a crab. And then also has this reaction called Scuttle. After another friendly fighter's activation, push this fighter one hex closer to that fighter. So you can kind of push him around the board as long as he gets closer to the friendly fighter that, that did the activation. The scuttle thing is very useful. Uh, currently, before Scrum rotates out here, uh, it is very handy if you draw Scrum first round. You can, mm -hmm. uh, and you have your fighters positioned in a nice way, you can just make a move action, scuttle, score Scrum, set yourself up for one of the uh, other objectives, which uh, requires you to make a second move. And it it's very, very useful. And Duneclaw is also... He is the dangle bro of the group. He's yeah. not really not really reliable on the damage, but people see him and he's very intimidating looking. Uh, you know what? His model. Zach, you know how he would feel if he heard that you were talking to him about like about him like that? Hey, he's won me several games this you know, weekend. But, 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 but do, do you know how he would he would feel if you if he heard you talking about that like that? Certainly crabby. Crabby. That's goddamn right. Crabby. Crusty. Right. <laughs> That's okay. I'll edit that out. Um, when, he's, uh, when he's inspired, we got uh, one. He just gains an extra die on, on, on still on Furies, but gains Cleave. Yep. Which is, that, that, is a, that is a decent attack. That's, that's a Riptooth attack right there. It, it is. And so every once in a while, you just charge Doomclaw in 
and roll your two swords and hope he does two damage. It's great when he does, and you're like, oh no, I missed a two-sword attack when he doesn't. But he is a fighter that is very difficult to kill because of that two-shield defense line. Uh, I've had several opponents just sit there wailing on the crab uh, and it just bouncing off. And uh, they'll spend several activations just trying to get rid of the crab and his support and the possibility of getting hit by him. Um, you know, I think that if you want to get this guy, you definitely have to have to just like get a little bit of melted butter, some like those like you know claw cracking, yeah, you know babe. like little nutcracker things. All good. A little. We should just like have a seafood boil. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right, let, let, let's move on to the most difficult to understand. Some old day fighter card in the history of this game, the spine fin. Yeah, okay. you, you thought you thought the blue horror was uh oh my was God. interesting. You thought Snurk was interesting. It's goddamn fish. But now we have Spinefin with literally a page of rules on his fighter card. Oh my god. Alright, well let's let's get started because we have to. First of all, a zero one one bottom slash line, I don't feel like I've ever se seen that before, where they have zero move except zero. for Stalactid, right? That's the only other guy who's yes. had a zero move. I believe so. He's got, yeah, a one dodge, one dan one uh, wounds, which is terrible if you're playing uh, punching up. Great, because you can't you can't use it against these guys. I I played against Soul Raid a couple times with punching up in my deck, and I'm like, oh, this is a dead card. Uh, he has something called Small Fry. You can decide not to set this fighter during setup. Um, this fighter cannot make actions, be given upgrades, or hold objectives. If it would be taken out of action, remove it from the battlefield and clear all counters and persisting effects from this fighter, and it is not taken out of action. So it's just there. And then, of course, the shoal reaction. So after an opponent's power step, after an opponent's power step, after they do so so they just activated and then the power step is finished pick one remove all friendly shoal tokens from the battlefield and place a shoal token in an empty hex or place this fighter in an empty hex that contains a friendly shoal token and remove that token you can take this action even if this fighter is not on the battlefield all right what this is the most annoying fighter in the game Oh, yeah. In the Soul Raid, you have several poison cards. There were several poison cards in uh, in, in the last uh, season as well. And I was this very is... disappointed at the time. Yeah. yeah, it was very disappointing. But with Spinefin, they are awesome. Yeah. So you have a safe way to apply, the, uh, apply poisons. You have a safe way to uh, be in enemy territory. Safe and um, reliable. Yes, safe and reliable, because he doesn't move, you just place him there. And when he gets attacked, you just take him off the board, and you're like, oh no, my fish is off the board. Yeah, so... and you can't, you can't like get any if you kill somebody, score this objective thing, because he doesn't die, exactly. You can still score successful attacks against Spinefin, but you can't get uh, objectives for kills. So, uh, and the, it, 
It's a fish. It's super annoying. He provides support. He counts as a fighter. And yeah. um, uh, he can also block charge lanes. Uh, I yep. frequently use him in aggro matchups to force people to have to walk around him and go extra distance to, to get to my fighters, uh, which could consume resources. He is just overall really annoying. And he is usually referred to as damn fish quite Creepy frequently by my opponents. Oh, yeah. Has a 0 2 one slash line in the uh in the second round so yeah these guys are really really unique what, what do you think about this warband overall now that you've been playing them so much zach so i they are the thinking man's aggro warband there is so much going on with the wall of text on spine fin uh the dune claw reaction just about for every power step and all of your opponent's power steps and all of your activations, you can be doing something uh, afterwards, and you have to remember to do it. If you do remember to do it, you get lots of advantages, like having supports on attacks, being able to score objectives uh, for being in enemy territory very easily, and uh, despite their low wound count, they're actually pretty hard to kill because of some of their faction cards. And most importantly, they are just a lot of fun to play. They're just very cool. complicated. Yeah, no, I think so. I think that it's one of those warbands where uh, repeated playing of the same uh, warband with like maybe different like flavors of deck, eventually you kind of get the idea of how they work, and then and then that's when you can really use them to maximize them. So I think that they require a little bit of work. Talk about strategies because we're gonna when we talk about the faction specific cards in a minute, uh, we're gonna do it through the through the lens of how we think these guys should be played. And we came up with like two, maybe three strategies. Cause like one strategy is like kind of two different ways of playing, do, doing the aggro. Uh, t tell us, tell us what you think here. So personally, I looked at this war band and uh, thought aggro. There's lots of cards for actually uh, killing enemy fighters. There's lots of cards for being in enemy territory. So I personally thought aggro when I picked them up and started building a deck for them. Uh, so the two ways of playing aggro that I've toyed around with have been just a get in their face and try to hit them and take them off the board. And then uh, being an old chosen Axis player and Thundrix player, I also tinkered around with kind of a counterpunch strategy as well. So uh, kind of fight in the mid board instead of on, on your enemy's board. And that so there's two, two different ways that you can play them. And you can also kind of build a deck to do both. And then base that on your matchup. So if, if you know your enemy is going to be coming hard to you, it might be better to like hang back a little bit. Okay, and you also mentioned that there might be a control deck option with these guys? Not necessarily objective holding, like a lot of other control decks uh, tend to do, but mainly just denial. They have a ton of really good cards for running away, for preventing attacks, making it very difficult uh, for your enemy to actually hit you as well as just being super annoying, blocking objectives, standing where your opponent doesn't want you to be, and things like that. 
with their faction cards that there are just some real doozies of faction cards in, in there for being able to stop your opponent from doing what they want to do. Well, well, let's get into it. So we're going to talk about the cards, the faction-specific only cards. Um, we're going to talk auto-includes. What do we think are cards that you would play anytime you're playing Soul Raid, no matter what the style? We're going to talk about faction specifics that we think are particularly good for balls out aggro, counterpunch aggro, and maybe the control. We also had a couple ideas for Vanguard decks. Just going to throw it out there, see what you think. All right, so let's get started. Now, uh, Randall will be reading the cards, and then we'll all discuss. Uh, Zach, you, you in particular, tell us why those, those cards are good for that particular play style. But for, for objectives, auto includes, we said Surging Tide. Surging Tide says, score this immediately after one friendly fighter's second or subsequent move action in the same phase for one glory. All right, Zach, why do we like this one, no matter so, what? This card is fantastic because you don't have to roll a dice to be able to score it. It also allows you to score even though you're not able to attack something. So if your opponent's hiding at the back of the board and you have to double move to get to them anyway, you're going to score it. It is also very good in late game. There might not be very many target options. So you can just make two move actions and score a glory. Uh, it's it, it's the and I'm drawing a blank on the season one card that you were able to go on guard and then make a charge action. You're oh, basically uh, ready. change of tactics. Change of tactics. Yeah, change of tactics. It it's very similar to change of tactics because you don't have to roll a dice and you can basically do it at any point. It just takes two activations. So it's really really good for that aspect of and, it. And and all three Iden Neth are capable of scoring it for you. Correct. Gotcha. All right. Sounds good. All right. Let's talk about, we had three ideas for the balls out aggro. We'll start with speed of the flood tide. Speed of the flood tide is a surge. Score this immediately after an activation. If three or more friendly fighters are in enemy territory for one glory. This is the easiest card to score in the soul raid deck. All you have to do is have three of your fighters in enemy territory. That can include the crab the fish or one of your uh, Ideneth. So a lot of the time what will happen is you'll just put your fish in the backfield, make a charge with Tamiel, and then make a reaction with your crab and push him in and you've scored Speed of the Flood Tide. It, it's it's very, very easy. And before rotation, uh, Show of Force also has the same exact wording on it mm. for scoring. So a lot of the time you're scoring both of them at once if both of them are in your hand. And it's also yeah. one that you can draw into and automatically score it for an good. extra glory. Sounds good. Um, let's go to Unseen Menace. Unseen Menace says, score this in an end phase if two or more friendly Ideneth are within two hexes of the same enemy fighter. So that's only... That's it? Yeah, for one glory, yeah. It's easy. But that's yep. so that's uh Elethane and Furion. No no and... Tamiel counts too. Tamiel counts. And Tamiel, Tamiel. Yeah. yeah, okay. So this card works very well just because it's doing what you're trying to do anyway. You're getting into people's faces, uh you're trying to hit them with uh melee attacks and uh, and range two attacks. 
So it and you have lots of uh, push cards usually in in a soul raid deck. So it it's just super easy most of the time to be able to score this as long as you have enough of the Ideneth still alive, which sometimes in late game isn't the case. Yeah. But it's still very easy to score and it also combines really well with unafraid yes okay yeah no yeah i can see that one all right and another one that that you said was good for the balls out aggro is merciless raiders merciless raiders is a surge score this immediately after a friendly fighter's attack action made as part of a charge action that takes an enemy fighter in enemy territory out of action for one glory so it has to be a charge and has to be in enemy territory it's advancing strike yeah. with a charge right so uh advancing strike was uh restricted for a reason and that's because it was actually pretty easy to score you're going to be going at your enemy to be able to score the uh, speed of the flood tide and any of the other cards that you have in your deck for being in enemy territory and odds are you're going to be making some charges to do that so it's a win-win take somebody out of action score an objective card Ooh. So now for for the counterpunch aggro, I don't know if you would necessarily use that because you're you're having uh, the other team come at you. Speed of the flood tide still good in counterpunch aggro, but you liked uh, utter isolation for for the counterpunch and for the control deck. So uh, let's let's do utter isolation. So utter isolation says dual score this in an end phase if there are one or more friendly surviving fighters. And no fighter is adjacent to any other fighter. It's alone in the darkness. Sure is. It is alone in the darkness. Only well, it, well, it's alone in the have darkness. You have one yeah, of your correct. guys alive. Yep. Because in alone in the darkness, you could have scored even if you got wiped off the table. True. Yep. But you have fish yeah. that can't be taken out of action. Ah, word. Okay, so it's actually don't have to worry about that. So, uh, Utter Isolation, it can be a little tricky to score if you are also trying to get close to other fighters, but it is also very good if somebody's trying to run away from you or you're playing an elite warband. A lot of the time you can take advantage of Haymail's Riptide and some of the ranged actions that you have to be able to kind of manipulate the battlefield into mm -hmm. what you want it to look like for Utter utter isolation and it's also one that you can score late game when there's only like three or four people left alive and yeah. they're scattered out a little bit yeah i, I remember uh, alone in the darkness was like that it was it, i would score it occasionally earlier in the game but at the end of the game like it was just auto yeah yep absolutely and uh, you said that maybe if you're doing a vanguard style although vanguard for for soul raids like Basically, it's days are numbered, right? Um, but you were saying maybe Taker of Souls for that one. Taker of Souls is a surge. It says score this immediately after your leader's range one attack action that takes an enemy fighter out of action for one glory. So Elethane is your, your, your biggest hitter most of the time. Uh, that's the fighter that you're going to be stacking a lot of upgrades on to be super accurate and be doing a lot of damage, especially because of that three hammer attack. So, and you're going to also be wanting to take fighters out of action with Elethane to be able to bring Tamiel back. So, if he's alive, he's going to be taking some people out of action, and that'll give you the ability to score this card. Another card that 
also like kind of works along with that is Savage Exemplar. Moving forward with the the rotation and everything, Savage Exemplar is still around. So those two cards, if you wanted to run an Elephane heavy deck, you could include both of them because he's going to be taking some people out of action. Yeah, and, and I think that in a Vanguard style especially, there's not a lot of burst damage in in the the, the season. Like, you could say, like, yep. Kanan can hit for, like, three, maybe four, depending on what's going on there. But it's going to usually take at least two shots to get Elfane down. So I can see in a, in a Vanguard style that being pretty good. So those are the objectives we thought were worth taking a look at. Let's talk about some Gambits. We said for auto-includes, we actually had three auto-includes which is a lot, to be honest with you. Uh, the first one that we had was Spinefin Toxin. Spinefin Toxin is a poison restricted to Spinefin. And it says, choose one enemy fighter adjacent to a friendly Spinefin. Deal one damage to that fighter. In addition, the chosen fighter cannot hold objectives, cannot be on guard, and cannot make range 3-plus attack actions. This effect persists until the end of the round or until that fighter is out of action. Oh my god. So this is, is the this is why they call him the, the damn fish. Yep. The damn this fish. card. This card is it, it is so good. Um not only is it ping damage, but it also prevents your opponent from holding objectives. Neuter is one huge. of your opponent's fighters, yeah. Oh, yep. I, I I know when uh uh in the last game of the tournament that I played today, I had an opponent trying to score absolute, absolute stillness. Oh, no. I just uh... Spinefin up right next to him, slapped Spinefin Toxin on him, and then just forgot about that fighter. That that hurt Oops, me to you say that. Yep. I felt that guy's like, pain. Yeah, that, that guy, there was a heavy sigh when I flipped over the card. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Because absolute so, stillness yes. is such a pain in the ass to score anyway. Just and, breaking yep. hearts. Okay. It, and uh, cloud and, and oh no. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. And if you're playing someone like Thundrix, or you have a fighter like Daco in in our game, Max, uh, that has a range three plus, he can't attack anymore. Well, he can't do anything. He's just standing there. Yeah, he's a target. So. It it is Absolutely. it is oh, a, yeah. the best card. Somebody like Lund or whatever just can't attack for the whole rest of the round because he has no mm -hmm. other attack. Yep, that, that's what's up. All right, uh, Cloud of Midnight, also annoying as hell. Okay, let me find that. These are out of order. Okay, Cloud of Midnight says choose one friendly fighter until the end of the next activation. That fighter cannot be the target of attack actions, cannot be chosen or damaged by gambits, and cannot be pushed. This card. I using this one, Zach. What yeah. are you doing with this one? So this one has multiple uses as well. If you see your, uh, if you see your opponent uh, just like ramping up for a devastating attack, mm. and he's about to take out Elethane or somebody else that's doing something important for you, you just flip it over and be like, no. Yeah. And they've just used all of their spectral wings, their their victimize, uh, all of their good cards to be able to make the attack and Rude. they now can't make the attack against the person that they wanted to they should have known better yep uh the other use that i found for this card is when you're trying to score those cards for being in your opponent's territory and you charge 
Tamiel or Furion, like, right on the edge of enemy territory. You make the charge, you do the damage, you flip over this card, and then they're good until after your next turn. So it's a setup card for some of those type of situations where you need absolutely need to score one of your surges for being in enemy territory. And it keeps one of your fighters alive. What's not to yep. like? Uh, the next one we like is Shifting Currents, also an auto-include. Shifting Currents says... No, don't worry, Randall. You get, you get paid by the word. Pick one, remove all friendly shoal tokens from the battlefield, and then place one shoal token in an empty hex, or pick one objective token in an empty hex and move that objective token into an adjacent hex. You cannot move it into a lethal hex or a hex that contains a feature token. So this one I especially like because in if you draw this first round, you can basically put out your fish in one activation uh, instead of having to place the token and then wait for your opponent's turn again and then place the fish. So you can essentially go, I'm playing Shifting Currents, put down your shell token, and then your opponent passes on power, you get to pop up your fish. So it's basically a surprise, there's a spine fin next to you. And uh, with spine fin toxin floating around and lead bone dust and just the fish being next to you for support, it, it's very, very good. Um, and it also enables those cards for being in enemy territory. So you can surprise somebody with the fish and then all of a sudden be able to score some of your objectives based on where your fighters are at. And how often do you use it to move an objective token? That text is on the card. Yeah, okay, never mind. <laughs> well, that answers that question. Well, I guess, the yeah, because the, the fish is never fully gone, ever. Yep. So oh, It's all about that fish, man. It's not like it has that like extra text as like insurance in case somebody takes out Spinefin. He's just always there, so you can always use it. And the, the other part of that, uh, the, the second part of the card, is an uh, objective token in an empty hex. So you can't like restless prize the objective out from underneath of somebody. Uh, because it's not empty mm -hmm. if it did that that would be fantastic I would use that yeah. quite frequently to stop temp victory and stuff like that but it's an empty hex so mm -hmm. it becomes a lot less useful with the keyword empty in there so it's all about the shoal token absolutely Okay. alright so for balls out aggro there were two gambits we thought were good particularly for that group uh, the first one is terror knight venom Terror Knight Venom is a poison, and it says choose one enemy fighter adjacent to one or more friendly fighters. You can re-roll one attack dice in attack rolls for attack actions made by friendly fighters that target the chosen fighter. This effect persists until the end of the round or until that fighter is out of action. So you, you put it on them, and then anybody who attacks them can re-roll one dice. It this is a great card to put in there for aggro uh, because a lot of the time you're going to have uh, Branching Fate in the deck as well. So rerolls mm -hmm. are super good for trying to score Branching Fate. Um, also, if you have a big pain in the ass fighter like Molog or Hrothgorn or uh, your, your enemy's uh, Voltron guy, 
you can throw Terra Knight Venom on them and then just lay into them and yeah. increase the odds of your attack landing for every single attack you make into that fighter until they're dead. Yeah, and these guys have a lot of dice too on their fighter cards. Yep. They have that they a lot of them start with three or go up to three, or sorry, they yeah, and then Elthane goes up to three. So you have a lot of dice and you can re-roll to get some crits. Yep. And the, and the thing is, you you said the poison is is great because Spinefin can just get adjacent to people easily, and there's really no risk to doing that. Yep. And that was kind of the drawback of poisons before is you needed to get you needed to be adjacent to somebody to use them and in the power yeah. phase. So it's like, you can't just like run up to somebody and use it. And the only danger for spine fin right now is that you have to worry about is specifically the warband uh, Morgox crushers. Cause they can just sit there and wail on your fish and inspire. Okay. So uh, that's something to be mindful oh, of yeah. trying to put your poison uh, poisons yeah, on somebody. So you gotta commit after you do it. Yep. You can't Uh, hurdle around too long. Yeah. Uh, Then the next one we thought was good is Phantasmal Forms. Phantasmal Forms says, in the next activation, friendly fighters have a defense characteristic of three dodge. Well, more dice is always better. So uh, more chances of rolling crits. Most of your fighters, besides Duneclaw and Furon Inspired, all roll dodges or a single shield anyway. So if you play this card, you increase your survivability odds. And a bonus, it's three dice, so you can still score Branching Fate Branching off. Fate. Nice. All right. And that's, um, that's yeah. decent because, like, they inspire in the second round and then they become uninspired in the third round. So, like, if they get yep. juiced up, like, if... Tamiel is in the second round. You might not want to use it on him, but in the third round you would. Absolutely. Something like that. It also makes it like an ill-advised charged a little bit better because you might have this like in your back pocket going like There's a lot well, of ways you, you know, can use it. I yeah. miss Yeah, if I miss at least I can I can save him for a round probably. Sounds like a good one. Uh one more that we thought was good if you're trying to play a control style with these guys, a disruption style would be Forgotten Nightmares. Forgotten Nightmares. When an enemy fighter makes an attack action, pick one eligible fighter as the target of that attack action, unless during the declare attack action step, that enemy fighter's player discards one power card. This effect persists until the end of the round. So you you pick a fighter, and if they want to attack that one, then they have to discard a rent. They they have to choose and discard one card from their hand. So this this card's rather good, especially if your opponent doesn't have a lot of power cards in their hand. And because your fish is usually next to the guy that you're, uh, that's making the attack, you can then force your opponent to discard a card or to be able to attack the fighter that they want to attack. So if they don't discard a card, they have to attack the one that you want. So on specifically range two fighters and range three fighters, where they ha- literally have multiple choices on who they can hit with the attack, you can basically dictate, I want you to attack Spinefin, or I want you to attack Duneclaw because there is a better chance of you missing by attacking Duneclaw. So 
it's or a way not to... mattering as much to you as the pilot like you don't want like like you don't want you know elephant to get attacked at you know i'd rather you right. kill some crab right yep and and it persists until the end of the round so if they want to attack them more than once they'd have to discard more than one card right correct right so it, it doesn't go away after they make an attack it's just there right until so... the end of the round yeah and this card also no. has really good flavor text. It says, "Why are you trying to hit a fish?" <laughs> it is. Stop, I, hit, I stop hitting that. the fish! Stop hitting the fish! And it's a picture of uh, it's a picture Poor of uh, a vampire battling Spinefin while Elethane is like behind him, about to stab him in the back. Nice. All right, let's move on to upgrades. Okay, upgrades. Auto includes, man. They have some. They have some upgrades. Let's talk about some auto includes. The first one is Born from Agony. Born from Agony is restricted to Ideneth, so not the crab or the fish. Uh, plus one wounds and lethal hexes cannot deal damage to this fighter. I mean, obviously, this is a very simple one. More wounds is good and. Having lethal hexes all over the place can increase your damage, uh, but it also increases your odds of getting pushed into one, and this mitigates that. So in several of my games, like I charge Elethane into a lethal or near a lethal, and I don't have to worry about the lethal. It's just a great card. Nice. All right. Yeah, you can charge through a lethal, around behind somebody, and then push them into the lethal without taking any damage. Amazing. Oh, it's so good when that happens. <laughs> Nice. All right, the next one is uh, Sanguine Pearl. Sanguine Pearl is restricted to Ideneth again. Reduce the damage dealt to this fighter by adjacent enemy fighters' attack actions by one to a minimum of one. So giving you more yeah. effective health there. Yep. I, I would totally. really love it if this had the same text on it as Tough and Tide, and they didn't need to be adjacent to me, but it's still very good, uh, especially because a lot of the heavy damage dealers that are going to one-shot one of your three-wound elves or they're trying to end Elethane quickly are going to be ranged one attacks. So this mitigates some of that danger and makes that fighter very unappealing to attack. And one other one we thought was a really good one is Hunter of Souls. Hunter of Souls, restricted to Ideneth. Plus one damage to this fighter's attack actions that target a fighter with one or more wound counters. So this is good so, against the beefy four, four or five health, six health warbands. Yep. Because you got to uh, attack them multiple times. Yeah, th this one's great, uh, specifically because you're going to have push guards to put them into lethals, as well as having to attack them multiple times. And who doesn't want to do more damage with a hit? One thing about this card is there's no range restriction on it. So all of your True. your range 3 harpoon attacks and your soul net attacks from Elethane can also do plus 1 damage. So you can technically have a 3 damage soul net attack or a 4 damage harpoon attack. It feels very like like it would pair really well with Glory Seeker. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that sounds pretty good. For balls out aggro, we had a couple that we thought might be good but aren't like amazing so we thought maybe we should consider unstoppable fury if you're doing balls at aggro unstoppable fury says you can reroll one attack dice in this fighter's 
attack rolls for attack actions made as part of a charge action. This has no restriction. It could be on anybody. Yeah. You know, well, you you do get, you know, basically incentivized to charge with Tamiel, and then the other guys have, they throw three three dice. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, you, you get more mileage out of, yeah. yeah, you get more mileage out of it if it's not on a charge, because then, you you know, especially with the range that you have in this, in this warband, but um, but yeah, I mean, obviously you will be charging occasionally on stuff. Yep. Uh, and a lot of the like finishing blows are going to be charges, and a lot of the attacks that you absolutely need to hit are going to be made with charges. Having a rerolls never bad. Never bad. Armor of Scythi. So armor of Scythi is restricted to Ideneth, and it says minus one dice from adjacent fighters attack actions that target this fighter to a minimum of one so you it's combine adjacent. that with with the sanguine pearl now they have one less dice and do one less damage if they even hit you with the one less dice which is why it's a good card because a lot of close range attacks they're going to be throwing either a lot of dice or only like two or three dice so if you're limiting their dice pool to like one hammer or two swords the chances of them actually being able to hit you are much lower. The name of the game is keep your eye to death alive, and this card helps do that. For the counterpunch aggro style, uh, basically all the stuff that we talked about already would be good in the counterpunch version as well. For the control version, we said maybe you look at these two cards. One is called Lure Light. Okay, so Lure Light is restricted to Elephane. And it says, when an enemy fighter is taken out of action while adjacent to this fighter, that fighter's player picks one. You gain one glory point, or that player discards one power card. Very disruptive. Yep, it's trophy belt with a condition on it. So if they really love all of their power cards, you're getting two glory for a kill. Um, if they discard one, then they just lost a card. So it, it's it's pretty good for limiting what your opponent can do with their power cards, as well as possibly getting you more glory if they're really in love with their power cards. The unfortunate and, and thing about this is if they're if there's no card in their hand, they can just choose that, right? Or no? Um, I think that player has to discard a card because it okay. says or that player discards one power card. So you're saying you're saying that you would gain the glory point automatically if they if, have no cards in their hand and then they have they no cards have or if or can they not can they say like I don't have any cards in my hand so I'll discard a card. Like do they have they have that's to have what a card I'm, in their that's hand what I'm in asking. Order to yeah. Choose that, right? Yeah. I would hope so. That's another thing that needs to be gone over in an FAQ because uh several soul raid cards do involve that card discard mechanic. I, yeah, well, I mean, usually if you want to choose something, you have to have something to choose. Well, you haven't played uh, with Warhammer like... players that much, have you? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Didn't, like, Yara's Instant Shield, there was, like, one of those, like, you met, no, Mazig's Many Legs, where you, like, needed to have a guy standing around in order to, like, even try to cast it. It might be a toxic gases situation, too, Eesh. where, like, if you can't be if pushed, you, can't move. you can just choose to be pushed be and pushed. then they can't do it. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right, FEQ so. me. Let's see. We also said maybe if you're playing control, maybe you choose Voltaine Eel. Voltaine Eel is a attack action upgrade restricted to Elethane that is three range 
three dice on swords for one damage. It says on a critical hit, give the target one move token. I love so, how the eel just like kind of like squirms out and says, "Here, have a move token." Well, he's a he's an electric eel, voltane, so voltane eel. Bro. He tases you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so right. this this card, I taser eel. That's what yeah, they should have called it taser eel. Taser eel. Okay. Yeah. So this card is basically an improved soul net attack uh, because when Elephant's uninspired, you only have two swords. This has three swords, so it's a little bit more reliable. And it has that extra bonus of if you roll a crit, of course. the target gets a move token. Being able to hand out move tokens can sometimes really hose your opponent. Well, it's better than a goddamn jabber toad, I'll tell you that. And we had one idea here. If you're playing a Vanguard deck, maybe you take a look at Martial Excellence. Martial Excellence is restricted to Furan. If this fighter has one or more charge tokens, this fighter is on guard. So th this one's pretty simple. Furan uh, is on two dodge when she's not inspired. So being on guard increases her defense quite a bit. And she's also usually one of the most targeted fighters because she can't be revived. Opponents usually target her and Duneclaw over Tamiel. Being able to keep her alive and possibly waste an activation for your opponent is pretty good. Yeah, she, right. she, has, she has two dice, inspired and uninspired. You know, one is on yep. shields and one is on dodge. So having her be on guard makes her, that's, that's pretty tough to, to get through. All right, so those are the faction-specific cards. And, of course, we have to do our card awards, uh, the Hunting Aspect Award, which is the card award for the Dangle Bro-specific shitty card, but we've expanded it to be any fighter-specific card that's clearly terrible. The Hunting Aspect Award this time around goes to Ether Sea Predator. Is that how you pronounce that? I think so. Okay. Yeah, Ether Sea Predator is an upgrade restricted to dune claw it says reaction okay. during an enemy fighter's move action after that fighter enters a hex adjacent to this fighter for the first time in that action roll one attack dice on a roll of a hammer that fighter's move action ends this card like you hardly ever use it because very few people are going to be running by dune claw and then you have to roll a dice as well you didn't have to roll yeah. a dice, it wouldn't be so bad, but you do. What is it, like a 50-50? It's, on a, on a... Uh, uh, it's a 33%. One dice. Yeah. 33%. It's not even 50-50. Yep. Yipping him in Snare is pretty good, but it's still a fighter-specific card. Yuck. All right. So, uh, Hunting Aspect Award goes there. The Aggressive Defense Award to the most confusing card in the set can't retire it yet because that damn fish card is just super confusing uh yeah i've definitely seen people use them incorrectly or use them too often or not often enough with the shoal tokens you know because so 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 how many how many of them like so if you don't have that card that gives the puts the shoal token down you can move the you can place the fish once and then move the fish once within a single round uh, you actually only have the chance, to, uh, so there's 12 activations, uh, you get 12 activations in the game. Half of those uh, activations, you're going to be putting down the shoal token, and half of those activations, you're going to be able to move the fish. So six so, total yep. movements. 
Okay, places and movements, okay. If you don't have the shifting currents card to be able to put down the shoulder. Right, right. And it's just kind of crazy. The fact that he, you know, doesn't die. The fact that he doesn't do anything except for be a fish. Yep. Yeah. Doesn't do a darn thing except get in your way. And and poison you occasionally. Yep. Great. Um, unintentionally sexual card name award. Have to do it. A few good ones here. Um, we have smothered memories. If you're into that kind of thing. I think everyone Crushing has one of those. I think so. Crushing pressure is pretty good. I like that one. Uh, and a negative in this particular case is speed of the flood tide, because you don't want too much speed. Surging tide. Good one. Uh, which one do we like here? Crushing pressure. Crushing pressure. You like that one? Uh, Mother memories and crushing pressure are both very good. I'm, I'm torn right. between the two. I, I like crushing pressure and, and surging tide, but uh, I'm, I think crushing pressure shows up for all of us, so we're going to give it to that. All right, so we have two new awards that we're going to start right now. The first one is called the Oops Award, which is the award for the best flavor text, and uh, we have two nominees for our inaugural Oops Award. And the first one goes to Brain Barnacles. Randall, would you like to tell us what the flavor text is on Brain Barnacles? Well, Brain Barnacles is a, a ploy, and it's got a great sure. picture of someone in the Crimson Court. It's like Gorath. With, yeah, Gorath with barnacles all over his, his head, and it says, something on your mind? <laughs> nice. Nice one. And then the Look, other one... There's... Well, well then, first of all, there's definitely somebody at GW like putting time and effort into this, and we just want to reward that. The next one is uh, Forgotten Nightmares. Yeah, so Forgotten Nightmares was the one that like forces your opponent to attack something else that is eligible instead of whatever they originally targeted. Yep. So uh, most of the time, you'll be using that to have them put attacks on Spinefin. Right. And it's a, and then the flavor text is, "Why are you trying to hit a fish?" Of course. All right. So good. Good one. So good. All right. So we got that. Now we have another new award. And Randall gave me the name. I have no idea what it means. Um, it's the, the Fluff Bunny Award. What does this mean? Well, those are just for people who are into the lore and storyline behind the, the game are Fluff Bunnies. Where, where, does the, where does the term come from? Well, if you buy a rule book for Age of Sigmar or 40k or whatever, it's going to have half of it is going to be the actual rules you use in the game, and then the other mm -hmm. half is going to be everything else. It's going to have lore, it's going to have like painting guides and stuff like that, and that is sometimes referred to as the fluff. Okay. So people who like that stuff are called fluff bunnies. Okay, so the fluff bunny award goes to the thing that is the most thematic element of the warband. And I don't really know the lore very well, so this is kind of like Randall's wheelhouse, but that's cool. So, Randall, uh, to to what element of the Soul Raid are you giving the the inaugural Fluff Bunny Award? Uh, it's the it's the fact that when Elethane makes a kill, he can revive Tamiel. That has to do with the fact that um, because of the uh, in the events that happened in the Age of Myth with the Elves and uh, Slanesh. And like sort of reclaiming all the elven souls, 
when a Idonith Deepkin is born, sometimes they're born without a soul, and the Namardi thralls are the ones that like have either weakened souls or no soul, and then they put souls into them to sort of animate them. And if uh, Tamiel dies, then Elethane, who is a soul... There's a specific name for that. Soul Render, I believe? Yeah, yeah. She can, like, transport the person she killed, Soul, into Tamiel and have him come back to life. Which I think is just a cool... You know, that and the the Shoal tokens. This is a very... This is a warband where they definitely paid attention to the lore when they were designing it. The mechanics of it. Because I believe the uh, Flood Tide is actually the uh, magic tide that all of the sea creatures that the Ideneth use to travel on land. Yes. So you have this flood tide. Yeah, that's how they're able to get on land and steal the, the souls so they can go on existing. So the inaug- the inaugural Fluff Bunny Award has been bestowed. We have two more awards. The Grawl Award, which of course is the one thing you like the best about this warband. Zach, take it away. What's your who does who gets your Grawl Award this time around? I love the fish. The fish mechanic is so cool. It's very different from anything else uh, in Underworlds at the moment. He's just so useful, and the mechanic itself makes you think a bunch. And if you use it well, it's a major asset. So I really love the fish. Very high skill ceiling, I think. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Um, and a very, a very high skill floor also, I think it, it, you really have to kind of turn your brain on to use that thing. It's a really unique mechanic and it really reminds me of the blue horror. I remember when me and you used to play, uh, with, I used to play eyes of the nine and you would play whatever. And then, whatever. Uh, and then yeah, yeah. you know, I would place all my fighters down and you would have a plan and then two or three activations would go by or whatever. And then I would summon the blue horror and you would say to yourself like, why, why did he do that? Why right now? You know why? Why is he? Why is that guy there instead of over there? And it, it kind of throws your opponent off when you're able to just summon this uh, kind of insignificant thing but the, onto the but board. But the that... blue horror could could hold like he could hold objectives and stuff though, and he could attack and stuff. Yeah, but the I mean, Sp- Spinefin can do things the blue horror can't either. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. It's 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 um, it's interesting because he's not he's not a real fighter, kind of like the the blue horror, but there are ways that you can leverage him to, to a lot of effect. And it's not always, it's not always super clear what you're going to do with him right when he comes out and sort of throws your opponent off their, their plan. I, I know there was uh, a couple instances in the tournament where I would throw my shoal token and spine fin into my own territory at the end of the game. And my opponent's sitting here. Why did he do that? To block, demolish the opposition. So if I'm not on my own board, right. then they score it. If I put the fish over there, they don't. Oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, and okay. you could do that back in the day with Eyes of the Nine, too, to block uh, all that stuff. Like, if, if there are, if, you know, you need fighters in their territory, or if you need, if you're trying to block them uh, alone in the darkness or stuff like that. Denial. Yeah. Denial, yeah. For, for, for me, the Grawl Award just goes to the fact that this... This warband plays unlike any other warband. I mean, it's clearly aggro, but there's just so many unique little things that it can do. I remember playing against it a lot 
when they had first come out and it was just like every time i played it like oh whoa it can do that or like oh there's that reaction and there's just so many just from the cards and and also from just the mechanics that the fighters have just very very unique warband i really like that they exist i think i like that they're 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 just like you know in the mix something to really have to worry about and remember it's like anytime there's there's a you know a very popular warband out there not only do you, you even if you're not planning on playing them you need to know how they work because they might pop up and i think that these guys are really add to that uh in a positive way uh randall what's your growl award go to well, I just really like the fact that, you know, like I was saying before in the Fluff Bunny Award, it seems like a lot of, uh, you know, the development of this warband really took the the lore and storyline into account when they made it. And, like, it sort of makes sense that they're there and their cards, like, make sense according to what they do in the, in the stories and in Age of Sigmar. So I, I like that whoever designed this warband and the way it works you know, was uh, in touch with the source material when they did that. And they've been doing that a lot in the game recently, which I, I do enjoy. Because I, the, one of my favorite things about Underworlds is the fact that you can sort of get the the feeling like you're playing a certain Warhammer army without having to spend, you know, $500 on and paint 60 models to play a game with them. You, have know? you can get sort of a little... zero models now, so working out great. Okay, <laughs> But you can just get a flavor of what it's like to play a certain warband through Underworlds rather than playing it in the Age of Sigmar game. And they did a really good job doing that with uh, this oh, yeah. one. You get the whole flavor I mean, of the Idonath Deepkin. Because in, in, in Age of Sigmar, the Idonath Deepkin have, like, every turn, they get, like, a different buff that depends on, like, the tide cycle. And they sort of translated that into this game by making it so they inspire on turn... Uh, on in round two and then uninspire in round three it's it's very similar unless there's a storm what do you mean there's a card called the eye of the storm i believe it's called where they don't um, ins where they don't where, uninspire? where they, uh inspire again in round three. Oh, okay so it's like a hurricane came in yeah cool. so even more so clear. you have that the, then the, the the tide continues to be high even though it's not supposed to be exactly all right, uh, now we go to the didn't even want it award. This is the single worst thing about the warband. Zach, what's something about this warband that disappoints you? When I was reading through the cards when they first got released, uh, I saw the keywords discard from your opponent's hand and got kind of excited. And then when all of the cards came out and I got to read all of the cards for like forcing your opponent to discard cards, and I was very disappointed that my opponent got to pick the card that they discarded instead of just doing a random card discarding. And so I was very disappointed with that specific mechanic on some of the cards because it's really not that handy. Speaking of handy, my didn't even want an award goes to putting them together. They were very, very pokey. And it was really like, I'm like smushing these pieces of them together and they're like either very, very pokey plastic or very, very delicate and fragile plastic. And I'm really trying very hard not to break either the, the model or my fingers while I'm trying to do it. GW, try not to poke my fingers as much next time. <clears throat> That's you. what happens when you play evil elves in this game. 
I guess. In, in uh, general. Yeah. Uh, Randall, what's your didn't even want I, to I can't think of anything that I don't like about no, this No, you just love I think, these I think guys, they're just huh? great. Yeah. I mean, there's right. the... They're, well, there like, what's bad about them? Like, they, they just seem really good. They're very, and they, they're they're very, very pokey. thematic and uh, Okay. Well, you already said that. I can't take yours. Well, you can if you agree. I like that they're strong yet also balanced at the same time. Like, they're not oppressive to the game. They're strong, but they have weaknesses. And, and that is know. one thing that I've really enjoyed is like i can still win and feel confident about going into each match and being able to win but i also don't feel like i'm going to smash someone unless something really goes really well yeah so they're they're just they're a warband that rewards you for playing well right they they're it's not like um like uh, crushes or something like that, where if you you just run in there and if you miss your attacks, then you lose. You know, it's it, this this warband. If you're a good player, you will get more mileage out of this warband than you would just a warband that totally relies on dice and drawing the right cards at the right time. And when we go over our uh, tournament review for uh, the big tournament that uh, I just finished today, right now I... we're going to do that right now. So, yep. segway. Segway. Zach Newcomb, whip out your deck. All right, let's take a look. So this is the one that you played today, and I'm going to, and yesterday uh, in, in the Vassal Clash, and, and you came in fourth place, yes? Yes, fourth place was oh. where I finally finished. So you made it to the semis. I did. And How many I players? Got bennied. You got bennied. I mean, like, we've all been there. Benny Monahan. We still got to get that guy on the show. I mean, I was talking Bennied a while in back the semis. about coming in. Uh, in the yeah, I've gotten I've gotten Bennied in. Um, I've never made the cut though on a Vassal Clash, just because the people who play. This are is my good. second time getting Bennied in the semis. Jesus, I don't know. I mean, hey, look, that's you know unintentionally sexual hey. clash occurrence. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. Get okay, bennied. so let's talk about it. Um, first of all, how many how many players at this one? I do believe that there were only twenty eight this time through the pandemic. But twenty, but twenty eight murderers, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. This yeah. Is, this is murderers row. When you yeah. talk about Underworlds players, these are probably twenty eight of some of the best Underworlds players on the planet. Yeah. And exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about what you got here. So let's talk about the deck first, and then we'll talk about how it went. The first thing is uh, we're going to go through the objectives. I see Branching Fate. Of course, you got a lot of three dice attacks, I assume. Yep. Scrum, you were talking about how uh, getting the fish and the crab in there between two other guys is not too difficult to do. Nope, not at all. And that so, one is also yeah. very good for building up before you go charging in. If you draw this first mm. round uh, yeah. with Scuttle Reaction on Doomclaw, uh, you can basically make a move action or just put a fighter on guard and pull the crab in, and you've scored Scrum. And and now you can really kind of get your, your first attack to be very impactful. We have Show of Force. This is you put enough stuff on a guy or you get everybody in your opponent's territory, and that's what you're going to be doing here. Yep. Right? Uh, speed of the Flood Tide. Get three fighters in enemy territory. So you're playing very aggressively, I assume. Yep. Okay. Show of Force and Speed of the Flood Tide kinda work go, yeah, they're very like well together. Yeah. Uh, Surging Tide, which we said was an auto-include. You, you were playing Utter Isolation. 
that's the one that's a lot like Alone in the Darkness. I, this one, because of the play style that I was going for, this one was kind of, I almost took it out and put in Unafraid instead. Mm-hmm. But I ended up scoring this card probably about 60 to 70% uh, of my games. Not, not bad. So it takes a little bit of practice to set it up and remembering to move your fish uh, away from people and yeah, making sure yeah. maybe a couple suboptimal uh, activations to either push an enemy fighter away with an attack or use a ranged attack instead of a melee attack to set up, but it's still pretty solid for two glory. Yeah, see, for me, I, I would kind of balk at that and, and do unafraid myself just because with the fish you always want to put the fish next to you, an opponent yep so um so to, it's just an added thing you have to do whereas unafraid you can be adjacent and that's fine however you can score utter isolation after you've killed everyone that's true and yes you can so yeah so we got that one though uh we have bold deeds of course, two or more enemy fighters out of action, and each surviving friendly fighter is in enemy territory, so you're really trying to jump in there. Yep. Impending Doom, where you uh, score this immediately if uh, after an activation if one or more friendly fighters are adjacent to two or more friendly fighters. So the fish is obviously going to be one of them. And then... I, um, in most cases, yes. Uh, but yeah. a lot of the time, it will be a charge with either Furon or Elevane, and then a scuttle reaction from Doomclaw, and mm-hmm. then choose not to drive the enemy fighter back. Gotcha. And, it's after and the activation, and right, it's because after the activation and the scuttle is a reaction, so it's before the activation window. So that would work. Yeah. Intimidating display. I'm focusing more on the second part, the hybrid scoring uh, for this one, which is three or more friendly fighters in enemy territory. Because I have two surges for that same exact goal, it seems like a very good card to include because it's just, it's a very easy one glory to keep you rolling. And if you've killed an enemy leader, a lot of the times your leader is going to have more wounds than anybody else on the yeah, board. Elephant, sure. And I also right. have three plus one wound cards in the deck, so. Nice. Ooh, you play Promise of Destruction. Okay, so what are your persisting gambits? I guess we'll find out in a minute. Oh, all, all the toxins. There's yep. a lot of good uh, ones. And, gotcha. Yeah, poisons. Gotcha. All right, yeah. we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get yeah. to that in a minute. Proud Commander. Score this in a third end phase. Ooh, third end phase if you've scored seven or more objective cards or your leader is in enemy territory. So this card, this card I have in there instead of something like Conquest because Mm -hmm. uh, uh, right now, besides my Surges and Bold Deeds, after I score those cards, I can be anywhere on the board. With Proud Commander, as long as I've done a good job of scoring my objective cards... I don't need to be in enemy territory anymore. So I can go chase down people that are trying to run away from me. And if my entire warband has been wiped out, except for that damn fish, I can still score proud commander. He's not just because of the, the objective cards. Yep. Just because of the objective cards. Okay. I mean, you don't have to have a guy on the table for that though. Nope. You don't, but still, you're not annihilated if the fish is on the board. That's, that's true. And then, of course, you have Underdog. 
Are you planning on playing from behind here, or what's going on? So Underdog is one that uh, is another one that I was kind of waffling on. I don't have any other cards that require primacy or work off of primacy in this deck. These guys are a little bit pillow-fisted right off the bat, and unless I'm playing against a Warband that has two Wound Fighters, I'm not mm -hmm. going to be earning primacy very much. I also have two, uh, three, three Wound Fighters, uh, and often... Those three wound fighters are getting one-shotted and taken off the board very quickly, and then my opponent is earning primacy. So if my deck is bricking a little bit and my opponent has scored a whole bunch of surges uh, in a round, or if my opponent has uh, killed one of my three wound fighters in one shot, it scores. It's one that I did score a lot during the tournament. It's just a super good kind of backup plan card, but it's it's won a couple games for me. Oh, I love Underdog. I think if you have any low wound count anything, you absolutely play it. Because if your opponent kills you and then gets the primacy, that's two glory right there and one is spent, right? Yep. And then you get underdog that's too unspent glory. It it actually is a, a small net gain for you. Yep. So I, I say definitely underdog if you have any any low wound count, anything. Gambits. Uh distraction, of course, duel of yep. wits, of course. Uh let's talk about all the all the toxins. So you have lead bone dust. Choose one enemy fighter adjacent to one or more friendly fighters. Give the chosen fighter a move token. In addition, attack actions that target the chosen fighter have ensnare. And it persists. There's yep. promise of destruction. And so the Chosen Fighter is taken out or the end of the round. So this card is probably the best Gambit in this deck. This card has single-handedly won more games for me than any other card. Simply because when you have that big, scary fighter like Kanan or Morgok uh, or yeah. some other terrifying thing that can only charge once or move you once. Dusted. You just dust him and then ignore him for the entire rest of the round and murder as many of the other dudes while he's out of out of play. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Absolutely. Um it's just it is a auto include for uh soul raid until the rotation because it's just so good. Right. Uh we also have Rock Snake Toxin, choose one enemy fighter adjacent to one or more friendly fighters. Chosen Fighter is dealt one damage at the end of each action phase and persists until the Chosen Fighter is taken out of action. So that could actually be all game. Yes. So yeah. this is a great card for uh, for two different situations. You have a Molog or a Voltron Fighter that has like five, six wounds, and you're just trying to do damage to them. You don't have to roll a dice for this. And nope. if the fighter is still alive in round three and you've applied it in round one, he's taken three damage from this thing. And the other nice uh, plus side to this card is if you have something like Gets, there's just so many bodies on the board and you're just trying to take out the guys that can hold objectives and score mm -hmm. points for your opponent. You can apply this in round one and then by round two, that fighter is dead. It, it is very good utility for just doing damage and not having to worry about doing that damage. And then we also have the spine fin toxin, which we talked about before as being pretty freaking great. Oh, that, that, that card's another one. 
it stops absolute stillness. It stops people yeah. from holding objectives. Yeah. That's the main use for it. I also claimed at least two or three orcs and Kanan and a couple other fighters with spine fin toxin where I've almost had them dead and then spine fin toxin finishes them off for me. Nice. I mean, it's it's just as good as throwing a guy in 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 a pit with distraction, but you don't actually need to have a pit lying around, you know? Yep. Just like take a damage. There you go. As long as you have the spine fin in, in the right spot. Cloud of Midnight, obviously. Uh, shifting currents we were talking about before, about the, that's, that's moving the shoal token around. Beast Trail, of course, you have three hunters, and they just yep. show up in your territory. And they have pretty good, ra- pretty good range attacks. So, and the other thing with Beast Trail is you just get a move token. So if you remember on the fighter cards, you have the ability to move twice. So you can literally beast trail somebody into enemy territory and then on your last activation actually make a charge with that uh, with the fighter because they've only they only have a move token, therefore they can charge. That's really great, round one. Oh, it I I was able to snipe uh, Scritch round one with it. it. It was uh, that is a fantastic card, and it also sets up your show of force and uh, speed of the flood tide as well. Next kiss. All right, uh, you have swarming advance. Choose one friendly fighter in enemy territory. Push up to two other friendly fighters one hex so that they're closer. I assume that's just to get, you know, to yep. to just make range. And then the hell is this? Omega's offering. Choose one friendly fighter and put one glory point on this card i'm already don't know what's going on after the chosen fighter is taken out of action by an enemy warband you gain the glory point on this card and then the effect the effect persists until the chosen fighter is taken out of action so you just say you can kill him but i'm gonna make some money off this so this card actually has an unintended effect to oh i get glory when this guy dies so right if uh so while you're running in with your Ideneth, those are the guys that you kind of want to protect. So mm-hmm. if you're using Tamiel or Furion to kind of escort Doomclaw up the board, I'd much rather have people attacking Doomclaw with that two-shield defense line than I would Furion or Tamiel. So I'm going to put Omega's Offering on the Ideneth that I would, like, that is more likely to die, but it, just to make that Ideneth not a juicy target. And it's then they cute. end up going out uh, after Dooncloth. Right. Which which you'd rather they went after him anyway, because what are you going to do Correct. with the crab anyway? He's just going to eat up attacks. Okay, I gotcha. And Interesting. it also scores uh, um, Promise of Destruction as right. well. Right. Alright. Sounds great. Yeah, you have a lot of persistent gambits in here. Upgrades. We have uh, Great Fortitude. You also have, you said three things. You have Savage Soldier. No, that's 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 plus, oh, that's the plus dice and, and the Cleveland Snare thing. Who are you Voltroning up, by the way? So it really Elephane depends usually. on Elethane usually, but it really depends on the matchup because mm-hmm. I know in a couple of the matchups, Elethane was kind of the bait. I, I needed him to die for underdog, so I basically did the damage that I could, and then I ended up Voltroning up like Furon, because gotcha. she's pretty tanky uh, with the uh, two defense dice. So 
usually Elethane, but in certain other situations, uh, all three of the Ideneth uh, can be super dangerous. Gotcha. So uh, plus wounds, you have Great Fortitude, Born from Agony, and Scavenged Armor, which also gives you a guard token if you're in enemy territory. And then you also have for plus damage, because you said they were pillow fisted, you have Great Strength, Glory Seeker, and there's another one, right? Uh, Hunter Hunter of Souls. Souls. Minus damage with Sanguine Pearl. Minus dice with Armor of uh, Scythi. Hunter's Talisman for more dice and re-rolls against quarries, right? Uh, And then, yeah, and then Savage Soldier. So basically, uh, your entire upgrade is just... You know, bringing stats up or down depending on what you want. I, I mean, these guys have enough going on with yeah. uh, their yeah, positioning and everything like that. The biggest problem with this warband is two of the guys that you want to be killing people with only have three wounds. That's the problem. And then the other problem is a lot of their uh, attack stats are not all exactly what you want them to be. Uh, to be very, very aggressive with them uh, without some upgrades uh, unless it's round two. So unless they're inspired, you don't have cleave, you don't have ensnare, you're hitting on swords for the most part, unless you're talking about elethane. So like the boosts of dice and adding cleave and ensnare to a fighter really, really helps their accuracy. And that accuracy with when combined with the spine fin support, it just becomes lethal. Like you don't expect to miss attacks with this warband very much. They're right. stupid accurate. I would love that. And you have so many ways of getting rerolls too. There's a lot yep. of different cards that let you do that. All right, cool, man. So um, tell us about, you know, about yesterday. You played four games yesterday, just real quick hits. What were you playing against? Any sort of interesting things happen? So, so just real quick, and again, like maybe like sixty seconds each, just so that we can get. Because I really want to hear about your um, your the games in the cut. Um, yeah, the but, games so, in the cut were insane. Were, yeah. Okay, so just real quick. So, who'd you play round one? I I don't have the players' names because a lot of them are very very hard to pronounce as oh, they're cool, right. from other countries. Okay. And I'd hate so, to slaughter somebody's name on a podcast. So who would you play? So what what was the what were they playing? So uh, my first match? match was the gentleman that placed second in the Vassal League, uh, and he was playing Kanan's Reapers. This was a matchup that I wasn't all the way confident because if you can get Kanan going, it becomes really scary really quickly. So uh, this is where Leadbone Dust came in. I was able to take Kanan out of the picture for uh, the entirety of round one. And I was able to take down, I believe, uh, a, a pretty significant number of the Motrix uh, in the first round. And then Brotex. was Brotex. able to... Brotex, They're called Brotex. Bro- Brotex. 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 No, yeah. Brotex. Uh, yeah, Thomas the... Allen. That was... Oh, no, sorry. That was in the second round. I'm trying to find it. I, I just looked it up. Yep. So... Uh, who did um... you... That was your second round. Hold on a second. You yep. played uh, King King Richard. Yes, King Richard is his uh, screen name, I believe, on uh, Discord. So um, that all of these uh, in that uh, in the first game, I uh, won twenty one thirteen, and then the second game was a lot closer. Um, I had some card draw issues where 
things didn't come out in exactly the right order uh, mm -hmm. and won 17-14 thanks to Proud Commander. So, yes. um, and then in the Tom, second Thomas round... Thomas Allen, round two, Thomas Allen. He yeah. was playing a very, very frightening uh, Exploding Skaven deck yes. uh, using some of the new stuff like Berserk Rage and uh, being able to draw cards when one of your fighters just die, along yeah, with no. your classic Festering Hungering build uh, that's right. been around for a while. Why are they calling it Exploding Skaven when they could call it the Rat Bomb deck? I called it I... Exploding Ska uh, Skaven. So, oh man, it, it could, could rat, rat, rat bombs. bomb is pithy. Rat bombs. Yeah. Round three. Just trying to uh, uh, you, oh, you played Kristoff. Yeah. Uh, Diopolis, right? Yes, Kristoff. Diopolis. Very close. Um, he and I have played quite a lot, so both of us kind of had an idea of what our decks were going going into this game, and we usually like he wins he wins one i win one we're always super close they're always super stressful games and the first game we finished and it was 17 17 i won on objectives because i was able to distract one of his fighters off of an objective to stop his last objective card from scoring well, um, always a was, good move oh my god always a good move <laughs> It, it was you never a, know if it's going to be close get them off the objectives yes every time uh, and that was almost the case in the second game as well as i only won by one point this match did not do my glory differential any favors but yeah, you, super enjoyable games yeah all right and then in round four yesterday you played nikita porzhinsky porzhinsky that's how you pronounce it I'm doing my best. That's okay. I, I, I did the German stuff with uh, Stephen uh, Beyer like a while back, and I, I have no problem mispronouncing things. So uh, he was playing the Star Blood Stalkers, and he was a uh, he was a younger player, and uh, mm -hmm. he actually uh, this was the first pair of games uh, that I dropped all day. Um, yeah. uh, he, I for some reason, me as a player. I have trouble with the Starblood Stalkers beating them. They just score so much glory usually uh, yep. against me, and that's exactly what happened. So the first game was 14 to 20. I missed a couple of key attacks, and he capitalized on it hard and scored a ton of points. Uh, the second game, I was able to basically shut down his objective deck hard this game. He only scored four glory uh, to nice. my 13. Um, and then the third game, this was a situation where my cards came out a little weird, but I made it work. And then he got very aggressive very quickly, which caught me off guard. I ended up with Tamiel and the fish left, and that was it. And Tamiel, I swear, dodged about five attacks nice. and still was left on the board uh, with a narrow loss of 21 to 24 both of us scored every single card in our objective decks. Nice. Which yeah, was you, you guys ended up with a zero glory differential, actually. 48-48. Yep. Okay, so that, that all happened yesterday. So you ended three and one, but with, yep. a, good, with, a, good, with a decent glory differential because your, your first two games were a little wider. So you, where did you land in the cut? In the cut, 
Uh, I landed with Eric first. Uh, those of okay. you who are familiar with Vassal, uh, prize of the have... nine Norwegian Eric. Yeah, we all know. Uh, him. This dude is a legend with Eyes of the Nine. He is very good. When I saw his name pop up on the pairings for round one, I was like, "This is not going to be my day," <laughs> because he's very very good uh so first game uh he was running a uh scattered tone uh or scattered pages lost pages yeah, yeah. lost pages built. he was able to outscore me by quite a bit and uh take out a lot of my fighters and avoid uh and stop me from scoring things like bold deeds uh, using some of his teleport cards and uh, just forcing me to come back to try to chase him. Because um, as soon as I saw that uh, uh, scat uh, the scattered tome uh, come out, I was like, oh no, there's no way I'm killing Vortimus. He's got four defense dice, six wounds, and he's in my territory all the way away from my heavy-hitting fighters. So right. I... I just tried to close the glory differential the best I could on that one and see what I could do. Uh, was lost... was there a moment during this match when the blue horror and the spine fin were like kind of like staring at each other, going like, "I do it better." Oh, I spine fin toxined his ass. <laughs> nice. Uh, he had cryptic companion in uh, round three, and mm -hmm. I stopped him from getting to twenty glory with uh, uh, with the spine fin toxin. It was glorious. Literally. But, yeah, but but you did but you did win the win the match was it was I, it out of three did you make it to yeah, the third one? Uh, we we did have three games with this. I ended up winning the second game, uh, twenty to eighteen. I was able to snipe Ortimus early mid second round, uh, nice. which enabled me to uh, stop a lot of the end game scoring. But uh, unfortunately, he had already scored a bunch. So notice I won by two points. Proud commander again. All right. And, and then the last game, I was able to... Yeah, I know uh, your your reward for making it to the semis is you have to deal with Benny Monahan. So tell me about this one. This was a very low-scoring uh, match. Yes, it was. Benny was running a hold objective counterpunch crushes deck. And it, I, he was sitting in his territory drawing cards and just scoring a ton of glory doing almost nothing and making the onus on me to come yeah. in there and try to kill him. He so, loves those decks. He loves he those does. things where he just he just sits there and goes like, well, what are you going to do? And exactly. we're like, I don't know. What are you going to do? And he's like, I don't, nothing. I'm just going to sit here and score while you stand there. And th this Bye. forces his opponents to make bad decisions and put yeah. themselves in dangerous places. So this this first game, I have a bit of a bone to pick with the vassal dice on this one. Right. Oh, you because, don't you don't say. Oh my god, this was bad. So I actually had a great hand. I scored glory. I beefed up the fighters that I needed to. I was making the attacks that I needed to. They were odds on attacks with support the majority of the time. He rolled six single dice critical defenses in a row. Every single attack that I put into an orc during this game got a single dice critical hit rolled on it. And uh, he had Silent Helm on Morgok, and that Silent Helm robbed no, me so of like it. 
two to three uh, uh two to three attacks i don't remember how many i did my best to score as much as i could even though my entire warband ended up dying because i just couldn't kill any orcs that was that was a rough frustrating game uh, let me tell you something i i had the same problem with my creepers the week before uh, you know last weekend and uh those were real dice so it happens to the best of us yep so round two I was able to get in, land some attacks, and take some orcs off the board, and I was able to shut down a lot of his objective scoring uh, using Spinefin Toxin and just positioning well, now that I saw what he was trying to do with his deck, and I was able to table him. The last game, uh, he ended up beating me by three points. Uh, I just straight up could not stop him from doing what he was trying to do because he parked Morgok with seven wounds in a corner with all of the quarry stuff on it and ended yeah. ended up scoring his entire deck. And I was like, okay, I think I'm good. I haven't seen any cards that have been like uh, super high glory yet because in the first two games, he hid perfect match from me. I didn't know he had it. Until he whipped oh. it out and scored four glory in, in the last round. Oh, really? Yep. That's an uh, odd thing to not score over two games. Well, I I, I was playing Denial. Uh, I, I was playing uh, Glory Denial through the first two games fairly effectively. So he had to discard too many cards to be able to like keep going in those first two games. Whereas the third game... His cards came out in a good order, and he was able to just churn through his cards very consistently, um, which set him up for a perfect match, beating me by three. All right, but uh, but still, you, you you made it to the semis in a in a vassal clash, which is always difficult. Fourth place overall, and you know, good work showing that the soul raid. And there were two soul raids in the cut, right? There, there were actually. I actually was not the highest placing soul raid player. Yeah, uh, because the other guy. Also, he lost in in the semis. Also, yes, I but, believe he but lost had a better glory to the, yeah. uh, the Thundrix player. Um, I had so many very very close games where my glory differential was uh, either zero or single digits. From a tiebreaker standpoint, I just didn't have it. Um, so cool, man. Uh, that sounds good. Now uh, we do also have for those of you who want to play Soul Raid going forward. Uh, Zach does have a slightly different version of the Soul Raid that is rotation-proof. So let's just go over the differences here and the choices that you made here. You still have, because Branching Fate is in the Essential Pack, so you can use that it one, is. right? You have Speed of the Flood Tide, Surging Tide, Utter Isolation, Bold Deeds, Impending Doom, Intimidating Display, Promise of Destruction, Proud Commander, Underdog. The only two things that you added in instead for uh, Scrum and whatever, the, what was the other one? Uh, show of force. Scrum, scrum and show of force. Instead, you put in orchestrated kill, which is when you kill something with one or more supporting fighters, which is very likely. And then yep. savage exemplar, where your leader makes the kill, which is also pretty likely. Both of them are surges, but they involve killing things, which I always which like is to less stay good. away from if possible. Well, it's rotation proof. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, yeah. For uh, the Gambits, we still have uh, Duel of Wits, Cloud of Midnight, Shifting Current, Spinefin Toxin, Beast Trail, Omega's Offering, Swarming Advance. Now, we added in Center of Attention. I assume this is just to make sure that supports happen. 
with the rotation, Soul Raid loses a lot of those really good poison cards. So you lost Leadbone Dust, uh, yeah. you lost Distraction, you lost Rock Snake Toxin. So right. uh, Center of Attention is one, to make sure that you have supports. And mm -hmm. Center of Attention synergizes very well with Strength of the Swarm. So you can gotcha. play Center of Attention on an enemy Which fighter means... that's near Doomclaw yeah. and Spinefin. And then you can really go in there and hit them hard. And and Strength of the Swarm is one of the other ones that you put in. Um, another one you put in was Hypnotic Buzz, which I assume is just taking the place of Distraction. Yes. Yeah. Okay, as far as the upgrades go, we still have Great Strength, Glory Seeker, Armor of Scythi, Born from Agony, Hunter Souls, Sanguine Pearl, Savage Soldier, and Scavenge Armor. You added in Savage Visage because you lost two of your restricted cards, right? So you can throw that one in. And then so, um, Savage Strength? Yes. So uh, Savage Visage is uh, the only restricted card in the deck, actually. Dude, uh, Visage. And... We're classy here. Visage. So this took the place of Hunter's Talisman. Because mm. uh, okay. I'd rather have plus one dice because it helps score Branching Fate uh, with Tamiel or a Dune Claw that somehow became a Hunter. This one allows you to re-roll a whole bunch of dice given the upgrades and the keywords on these spiders. So more re-rolls equals better. It's not quite as good as another dice, but it's still super good. And then Savage Strength is specifically in here for Elethane. Um, the other guys you don't want to put Savage Strength on unless it's the third round and you're putting it on Tamiel. Because they have multiple defense yeah. dice. Yeah. All right. And plus, you get the hunter keyword. So if you stack it with Savage Visage, you get uh, you get two yep. uh, rerolls. So not bad. So yeah, I mean, I mean, you didn't really have to do very much. It's only like about maybe six or seven cards that change. So uh, pretty good. Yep. And, um, it and it, it'll play near. Anything. Yeah, it'll but it'll play nearly the same. All right, cool. Yep. So last last thing about the Soul Raid, we would just want to talk about real quick since you have so much experience with them now and you've played so many games. Which of the matchups do you want to see across the table? So if somebody you know comes in, takes their thing out, says like, oh, well, what are you playing? This is what they're playing. What makes you go like, oh, goody? So hordes is what mm. you want to see. Uh, you have a lot of two damage attacks. And you have a lot of different ways to boost to three damage or knock somebody into a lethal spine fintoxin them uh, for that third point of damage uh, that most of your horde uh, war bands are consisted of. So if you see like a Grim Watch or skeletons to a certain extent, Canons, um, mm -hmm. you want to see those matchups because you can, if your dice are good you could potentially take out three to four of their fighters in round one if all of your charges go off. Right. And, and of course, they are decently accurate attacks yep. on these guys. So um, that is decently likely to happen. I understand that. Um, what do you not want to see across the table? What, what What's like, uh, man, I have to go to work. So the worst matchup, in my opinion, is Wormspat. Uh, that damage reduction, uh, given that all of your fighters start out with two damage. The potential for damage reduction and the fact that you have to run up and hit something that's probably not going to die in one hit 
is very scary and very hard to work with because I, they're gonna hit you back and they can do two to four damage pretty easily with yeah, that group chunky. to a certain extent a lot of the the voltrons like your molog potentially kanan if it's a kanan focused deck are very hard to get through because you have this one fighter that can one shot all of your fighters and that's a very scary thing. The other thing that's also very difficult to play against is fast aggro. If the other person's also playing aggro and trying to get into your territory while you're trying to get into theirs, it's sometimes very, very awkward to score things like bold deeds yeah. and your cards for being in enemy territory because you're going to have to fight through your opponent to be able to get there. Sounds good, Matt. Hey. I think we, we, we covered everything. Zach, our, our final segment of the episode is the keys to salvation. You know, we have a standing tradition here that if we have a guest, the, 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 the key to salvation goes to them. So, Zach, the floor is yours. What is your, what is your tip here when you're talking about uh, Underworlds? So, my tip and the key to salvation is do a post-mortem thought about each game that you play while you're setting up for your game two and three in a match take a couple of seconds even if it is only like 20 30 seconds to just think about the game that you just played try to figure out what went good what went bad what your opponent was trying to do and uh the things that you did in that game and how you did them and see what you might want to do a little bit differently and what things you need to look out for your opponent setting up certain objective cards such as absolute stillness and some of the other easily telegraphed objective cards it this really really helps you adapt to what's going on with the board in my game with eric uh once i knew that he had the the lost pages built I knew that leaving Vortimus alone was no longer an option. I have to yeah. kill Vortimus uh, if I want to win. And same thing in the game with Benny. I wasn't able to do it because he's, he's Benny. Benny. <laughs> but I and also he didn't to... show you that card, so you didn't even have right. that information. Right. So I, I still knew what I needed to do. I just wasn't able to do it. But just having that couple of seconds to kind of go over what you did in your games and kind of think about what happened it really really helped you do uh play better in those second and third games nice all right so everybody make sure that you take a breather between games but even i would say even after matches you know in the future if you ever run into that matchup again you'll know oh i have to make sure that you know th this guy is like my primary target or whatever it is, that minute of reflection, uh, just to kind of like get ready to go and make a better make better decisions. In your practice games, doing that post mortem can also help with card choices. Uh, which cards mm. didn't work so well and need replaced in the deck? Yeah, you know what I actually like to do post mortem in uh, with practice games. Is that you don't necessarily have time to do this in a tournament, but to actually post mortem like interview your opponent. You know, and be like, what were you doing when you like, what were you thinking when you made this move? 
just to kind of get in their heads and kind of see how how other people play or other people play when they're playing a particular warband, I think is also can be really valuable. I, I know you and I did that when we played uh, for the Vassal League this this past. Oh time. yeah, the yeah. What what were that you were playing the soul? Were you playing the soul raid? You were. I right? was playing soul raid. I think you were playing soul raid, and I was playing uh, the the mad mob at the time because I think that I was getting ready for that episode. Yep, I do and, believe that uh, you were. Yeah, and I remember we we had like a nice long conversation, like kind of like, "What are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you moving this guy here and all that stuff?" So, um, yeah, and it was it was really helpful. It actually informed a lot of the stuff we talked about on the episode. Absolutely, so cool, man. Hey, Zach, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show. Uh, I think it, it long overdue, and thanks for for spending a lot of time with this warband helping us out. It was a lot of fun talking about underworlds for a couple hours i know we do we do it all the time uh randall did we do it we did we sure did all right we sure did so very thoroughly thanks again oh yes definitely and so i guess there's nothing more to say but uh for battle for salvation i am max bernstein i'm randall and and we'll see y'all next time